few years ago, my, my brother who is in heaven now, um, for years, years we had a habit and, and uh, such an enjoyable thing of my dad's birthday. Um, before my dad died, we came together at his house on his birthday. After my dad went to heaven, my two brothers and I, we continued the tradition of, of us coming together the week of his birthday and going someplace or just getting together, whatever. And um, one time, uh, let's see, it was, let me do some quick math here. It was the 50th anniversary of my brother's uh, graduation from Paris Island, boot camp. And um, <clears throat> we went to Paris Island and watched a graduation ceremony, visited his... Um, uh, what he called the outer circle of hell, uh, which he experienced in boot camp. And he was talking about the weight of the pack and uh, they had to do this, that, and the other. And I said, uh, I said, it's, it's amazing that you could carry all of that. And not just the pack, but everything, the weapon. And he, he talked about all that they had to do while carrying this. Um, uh, and I said, I'm just amazed that you could do it at all. He said, we couldn't do it until they taught us how to carry everything. He said, let me tell you, there's a purpose for every strap. There's a purpose for every stitch in your clothing. There's a reason this part of your uniform is reinforced and this part is not. He said, and if you pay attention, you find that as your strength grows, you carry everything and can do anything with all that equipment. He said, but until you learn, he says, they don't make you just start carrying it. He said, I thought it was wasted time teaching us how to wear it. But when we learned to wear it, there was nothing that we couldn't do with it. I think the armor of God is a lot like that. Um, it's not easy to wear the armor of God. Um, we, we have people that want to um, listen to studies on the armor of God. I'm, boy, I'm not talking about you. You're here and you're, you would be here if I was talking about the third toe on the left foot of Daniel's vision. I know that. Um, I, I'm not talking about you, but... There are, there are some people that would just flock to hear about the armor of God, but there's two problems that we don't seem to understand. Number one, it's not easy to wear the armor of God. It's not like trying on a new hat or buying a t-shirt. It's, it's armor that is intricately related to each other, and it requires balance. And here's the interesting thing. For the armor to work, it requires for you to embrace all of the armor. So it's not easy. I know during um, 2020, I listened to somebody at a conference say something. I mean, it didn't make me mad, but I thought, I, I, and I didn't want to be judgmental, but I thought for this person to be a leader, they don't understand something very basic. And I thought for them to be teaching this is dangerous. They said, I am so complete in Christ. I, I am in Jesus. And if I have Jesus, I have the armor. I don't even think about the armor anymore. 
I don't try to put on the armor because I have Jesus and Jesus is the armor. And, you know, people shouted and cheered and yay, that's good. But that was the most uh, misinformed statement I think I heard the whole conference. We do have Jesus and Jesus is the armor, but it was to people just like us that Paul said, put on the armor of God. And I tell you what I think, I could be wrong. Um, I, 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 I realize my opinion. I know this is hard for you to grasp, but my opinion could be wrong. I told Justin about something that happened at a restaurant a few weeks ago, and um, I, I think it was Jim Gaffigan. I heard it from I wish I could lay claim to it, but I was someplace, and I don't remember where I was. I wasn't, well, I then we'll take that back. I do remember. But uh, I, I wasn't feeling really well, and my stomach was a little unsettled. And I remember saying, Look, do, you do you have milk? Just, just a glass of milk. And she looked at me like I had asked for a, a second head to grow. And I said, she said, well, we might have some milk. We put it in the, in the coffee and stuff. And I said, well, I, I'd really like fresh milk, just really fresh milk, very cold. Do you have that? And she said something, and then she said, she said, you know, we're the only animals on the planet that still drink milk when we're grown up. And I remembered what Jim Gaffigan said, and I said, yes, and we're the only animals on the planet that have gone to the moon and back, which speaks well for drinking milk as far as I'm concerned, you know. Well, that's a case in point. I, some people think my opinion is wrong, okay. But I really think that a lot of times we take these shortcuts that sound so spiritual because we really know what it costs to put something on. And it's easier to say a glib something like, when I have Jesus, I have all the armor. That's like saying I have the mind of Christ so I don't have to pray. You know, Jesus is the Word. He lives in me so I don't need to read the Scripture. We have a tendency, no matter how long we've been saved, to want to make it easy to do things that are not easy. Wearing the armor is one of those things. Um, I want to tell you something else. We have a tendency, all of us do, I'm not, not talking about you, you're here, but we have a tendency to want to be fully armed but not trained. We have a tendency to want to have the, uh, the explosive power, but we don't want to be trained in the discipline and how to use that armor and when not to use that armor. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say is it's, I think if you're going to be serious about the armor of God, you need to be serious about the price that it costs to wear it. And you need to be serious about, if you're going to wear it, how to use it properly. So um, I, I, I want to just, I, well, I know I'm starting out with a bummer, but that, that means I can end on a high note. But last week, we talked about the general themes of uh, the armor of God. We said, number one, there is an adversary. Uh, the, uh, Paul said, your adversary, the devil. And we found out that not only is there an adversary, but we found out that there is an armory from which our weapons are drawn. 
We found out that there is an atmosphere um, of conflict. We found out, fourthly, that there is a, um, in that atmosphere, we're going to often, not, we're, not, we're not in battle all the time, but we find out that there are battles regularly. We talked about attacks. And sometimes we are the object of an attack and we have to learn the defensive use of the weapons. And sometimes we are on the offensive and we need to use the offensive use of the weapons. Now, that was the general theme we talked about last week. Tonight, we want to talk about our daily routine. You see, um, when I'm talking about the whole armor of God, um, let me use a, a politically incorrect illustration. Let's say you buy a weapon to defend your home against an intruder. You say, well, I don't think Christians ought to do that. Somebody else says, oh, I think every Christian ought to do that. We're not even talking about the right or morality of it. We're just talking about you buy a weapon. Don't let the buying of that weapon give you a false sense of security. Just having a weapon in your home doesn't do anything. You have to know how to use the weapon in case of an adverse situation. And I'm telling you that that's the approach we've got to take as we move into this idea of using the armor of God. The reason I want to talk about daily routine is we've got to do more than just have a mental um, ascent that, yes, we need the armor of God. We need to understand that um, um, if we're going to ask God for the armor of God, we need to be disciplined in our walk with him so that we know how to use it. Um, I know I'm stating the obvious, but uh, you see in your notes, oh, and by the way, if you weren't here last week, I don't know how many pages you're in. My, my pages are different than yours because I've got larger print. Page four, um, um, we're on Roman numeral two called daily routine. And what I did is um, we gave you the, all the notes, all four weeks of the notes, because we didn't know for sure where we'd be stopping each week. Um, but we're at Roman numeral two daily routine. And we want to begin understanding the daily routine by making this statement that I made a lot of times. In order to live in victory, we have to come to grips with our past, our present, and our future. If we don't come to grips with these things, we'll forever be shrouded with shame or guilt or fear and uncertainty. Um, so in order to live in victory, we've said, number one, we must make peace with our past. Now that doesn't mean you can go back in time and undo something you wish you hadn't done or do something that you should have done. No, whatever our past is, is our past. But what we've got to understand is that what, though what is done is done, we can make peace with what our past has been. We can do everything we can to redeem that past. Um, in other words, if you don't do that, you could be saved on your way to heaven and have all kinds of usefulness in the kingdom of God, but still be overwhelmed with guilt. And you say, well, I, I know I'm not guilty, but you can know you're not guilty, but still be saddled with shame. I know I'm forgiven, but I'm so ashamed. I, I know that that's under the blood, but I feel so bad that I did it. And these things that produce guilt and shame, I, I know 
they can absolutely paralyze you. Every one of us has things that if they were shown on that screen right there, we would rather die a thousand deaths than to have our failure paraded before everyone. And, and it, we've got to not only get that under the blood, but we have got to get rid of the guilt. We've got, rid of the, got to get rid of the guilt. Um, I don't think most Christians have problems with guilt. I think most Christians know that we're forgiven, but we do have problems with shame. We know that legislatively it's dropped. It's forgiven. It can never be brought up against us again. But we live with the shame of our failure and the shame of our weakness. And if the enemy cannot paralyze us with guilt, he will try to paralyze us with shame so that we, we never, never move forward in our lives. You know, the amazing thing about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, um, there's four things that I pray for, for me, my family, for you, every day, every day, every day, without fail. Um, and, and I will do it till I die unless I'm in a coma or something. Um, every day I pray for you, my children, my wife. I pray for me, my grandchildren, for the church. First of all, I pray that we would know the favor and provision of the Lord every day. Uh, secondly, I pray that we live under the covering of the blood of Jesus. The third thing I pray for every day is for fullness that we'll be full of the Spirit, full of the Scripture, full of faith. And the fourth thing I pray for every day, and there are other things I pray for, but these are four that I have an alarm set for. Uh, the fourth thing I pray for is for angelic intervention in our lives so that heaven is working for us and no weapon formed against us shall, uh, shall prosper. Um, but... <clears throat> Let me go back to Peter. I'm going to run down a rabbit trail and I will, I will not know which rabbit to shoot at. So let me just get back on the main trail. The amazing thing about Peter's sermon on Pentecost, you know, the Lord said, you're going to deny me. Peter said, everybody's going to deny you except me. These guys might fail you, but I will never fail you. I will never deny you. And Jesus says, Peter, you know the story. Before the rooster gets through with this crowing, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, nah, -uh. you, you know, you may be the son of God, but you don't, you don't know all you think you know. I will never deny you. And of course, you know that Peter did it thoroughly and completely, just as Jesus said. Um, but I want to tell you something else that happened after Peter's denial and after the Lord was raised. You, you go to that place in John's gospel where the Lord asked Peter three times, do you love me? And it wasn't the Lord picking on Peter. It wasn't the Lord saying, okay, so let's see here. You said you loved me more than the others. Let's see. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. That's one. Peter, are you sure you love me? That's two. And Peter, are you positive that you love me? And the Lord wasn't saying, hmm, so what I've got here is the guy that said he'd never deny me, denied me three times. So now he says, I love you three times. So we're even. No, I tell you what was going on. I really believe this. Peter knew that he had been forgiven, 
But Peter was going to live under the shame of that the rest of his life. And Jesus very painfully and very precisionally dealt with Peter's denial because he knew he would face it the rest of his life unless it was dug up and it was settled. And so the next time we see Peter preach, it's in Acts chapter 2, and he stands out looking at the crowd. And you know what the main thrust of his sermon was? He says, you, you denied the Lord. If that had been me, I'd have said, well, I'm not one to talk. But... And hey, I know we all got weaknesses and we all can deny the Lord. But no, I want to tell you the fullness of the Holy Spirit is so re revealing and so liberating, not only from guilt, but shame. Peter was the poster child for the sin he was condemning them of. But he was so renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit, he didn't miss a beat. He said, you, every one of you denied him. And if somebody had said, well, you did too, he'd have said, that's not the point. <laughs> we have to make peace with our past. And we do that through repentance. We do that through, through drawing close to the Lord. And I know I've talked to you about this before, and I don't want to spend too much time here, but I think this is Wednesday night is kind of up close and personal. So let me get up close and personal. I told you that one of the revolutionary moments of my life is a few years ago when I said, Lord, I know that when we stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ, I know that we're going to heaven. I know that our sins are forgiven, but I also know that we're judged for how well we live the Christian life. And I said, Lord, you know what I can take. You know what I can't take. You know what I can deal with. You know what I can't deal with. But Lord, as much as possible, I want you to help me deal with stuff now so that I don't have to deal with it then. I'm talking about forgiveness, things that are already forgiven. I'm not carrying secret sins that I say, Lord, I, I've been trying to hide this from you. I'm talking about my failures that have been forgiven. But I said, Lord, you know what was behind the failure. You know the shame, the guilt. The, the, the unresolved issues. Lord, please help me to deal with it now so that I don't have to deal with it on that day. And boy, has he answered that prayer. It's not every day. It's not every week. But it's with regularity the Lord will bring something up. But he doesn't bring my sin up. He brings up the root that caused it in the first place. The, the failure, the insecurity, the judgmentalism, the lust in my heart, whatever it was. He, he, he's, he's not trying to bring up my sin that's already forgiven, but he's doing exactly what I ask him to. He goes to the deep part of me that opened the door to that. Uh, are you understanding me? And that's why I'm saying we can make peace with our past if we will be open to the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, you don't have to do that to go to heaven. You don't have to do that to be forgiven. It just depends on what kind of freedom you want to walk in. What kind of freedom that you want to walk in. Um, so we want to make peace with our past. And number two... We want to live with focus and purpose 
in the present. Uh, we, I, I know I've taught you this. I've, I know Justin has taught you this. We, we can deal with our lives, our present, in one of three ways. Um, we, can, we can waste it. We can waste our lives. And that, of course, is never pleasing to God. Um, you know, uh, but not only can we waste our lives, we can just spend our lives. You know, we can just break even. You know, this in, this out. Uh, I get up to go to work, to earn my pay, to go home, to go to bed, to get up, to go to work. It, it's, it's just a break even. We can waste our lives. We can spend our lives. But the third thing that Jesus taught us we can do is invest our lives. That way, every, every hour has a purpose. Every dollar has a name. Every activity is, has something that's motivating it and, and even driving it and pushing it forward. So we have to live with focus and purpose in the present. And then thirdly, we look with hope to the future. Um, and, and again, we've talked enough about hope. Hope doesn't mean, well, I hope so. I'm looking at the future hoping it'll work out. No, hope is confident expectation. Confident expectation that places no limits of time or method upon God. I have confident expectation that God will work His purposes whether He goes at 60 miles an hour or 10 miles an hour or whether He does it this way or this way. God will keep His promise. Um, in my prayer journal, um, I've got a lot of lists and I have a list that I go by daily. I have a list that I look at monthly. I have a list I look at quarterly and one annually. Um, I, I'm just, I'm a list guy. Um, but I was looking the other day and I realized, boy, this, all of these things are kind of wrapped up into three categories. Uh, here are some things that I'm asking God to do. I'm asking him for these things. Here's another list. This is what God has promised. I may not have even thought that they were that important, but God has promised promises for my children, promises for my grandchildren, promises for my wife. And then there was a third list is what God seems to be developing. I've not known to ask for these things. I've not thought to ask for these things. But God in his sovereign planning seems to be developing this in my life. So I live with hope toward the future. That's confident expectation. Now, that's the attitude we have to have. So there are four things that we want to do, and that's what I want to talk about um, kind of at full steam tonight. Again, this is not new. Everything that I'm, I'm teaching these four weeks, we've looked at before in one form or another. So I hope it'll sound familiar to me. Uh, to you, it does to me, already does to me. But um, I was writing it down. I thought, boy, this sounds familiar. And it, it did. Um, what we're going to find out is there's something that we put up. There's something that we put down. There's something that we put on. And then there's something we put out or put forth. So let's talk about those three th uh, four things very quickly. Number one, we are to put up the affirmations. This is, this is what we lift up to the Lord every day. Now, it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with liturgical praying. Uh, if you've been watching The Chosen 
series, you, you've noticed a, a lot of those great Jewish prayers that every Jewish man and woman would have been taught to pray from childhood. And we, we Pentecostals tend to think that memorized liturgical prayers are, are, are not good prayers. Good prayers are spontaneous prayers. In actuality, the Scripture puts a lot of um, emphasis on both. And, and um, our friends in the Catholic Church, in the Lutheran Church, and in and, and, and what we call high church traditions, liturgical church traditions, they are very good with, with praying together. They are very, they are very good with uh, um, liturgical prayers. And in fact, if, uh, if, if, you're, a Catholic, if you're a Catholic, I get a, a, a devotional from the Catholic Church every day. I think it's phenomenal to have the potential of millions of Christians around the world praying the same prayer every day. I think that is phenomenally powerful. But I also think that we need the spontaneity of being moved upon by the Holy Spirit to pray without preparation or memorization. Both are valuable. So when I say you put up the affirmations, you can do this by either having rote memory prayers, or you can do this by just having a general map. You know, my, my, uh, uh, I, I think it's, it's sort of like this. You can be on a trip driving from South Carolina to California, and if you are a liturgical person, you're going to stop at every McDonald's that's on the way in the morning every day. You're going to have an Egg McMuffin in South Carolina. You're going to have an Egg McMuffin in Oklahoma. You're going to have an Egg McMuffin, you know, in Nevada. You, I mean, it's, it's that, and it's going to, you're going to be fine. You're going to be happy. Your hunger pain, uh, pangs are going to be dealt with. You can stop at McDonald's and eat the same thing every day. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Or you can stop at McDonald's one day. You can stop at IHOP another day. You can stop at Whataburger uh, five or six days. You know, you can, you can stop at Waffle House a, a, a day. In other words, you do the same thing. You're, you're eating nourishing food, especially at, at Whataburger. And um, I'm getting, you can tell that I'm getting ready to go to general counsel in Florida I plan on stopping at every Whataburger that I can find on the way. So just bear with me as, as my spirit bleeds forth here. But uh, um, um, it, it, it really doesn't matter if you eat McDonald's five breakfasts or if you eat at different places. It is important, though, that you eat a breakfast. I mean, you can get by without one, it, that's, but you understand what I'm saying. That's the difference between liturgical praying and spontaneous praying. And most of us have the need for both. You say, well, why do I have to have these memorized prayers? Why do I have to have a list? Because every one of us have days we don't give a rip about praying. On some days we're going to get up and we can't, we can't find enough time to do all the praying we want to do. And then on other days we get up and say, oh, our Father who, where is it? Oh, heaven, who art, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, we're just worn out, we're tired, we're not interested. That doesn't mean we shouldn't pray, but I don't know about you, but when I have days like that, I need rails to run along. I need some tracks 
to be able to follow. So we put up the affirmations, and this is what Ephesians said. This is the text we read last week. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. Um, now, this is what he says when we're talking about putting up the affirmations. And what I mean by putting up, make, use the phrase, make it a declaration, or just pray this out loud. Um, you know, for years, for years, every single morning, no matter where I was, the first thing that would happen is I would, when I would wake up, I would slip to my knees. I didn't even stand up all the way. I just slipped to my knees and I said this, Lord, the day is yours and so am I. And then I would take about five minutes to pray some prayers that I had memorized or some prayers that rose from my heart. You say, you sound like you don't do that anymore. I don't do it anymore. And I'm not ashamed that I don't do it anymore. Uh, you say, well, why don't you do that anymore? Because something has happened to my knees. And I can't get up once I get in that position without help. So I, I pray prayers like that in the bed. And if I go to my knees, it's desperate and I got to have something to hold on to if I'm going to get up. But you understand what I'm saying. Uh, every morning, every morning, every morning, um, I'm never too busy to do this. I, I, I don't, you know, if I overslept, then I've got to make up for the time somewhere else. But I put up a series of affirmations declaring that I am the Lord's, that he is mine, that this day I'll be covered by the blood of Jesus, that he will bless my body, he'll bless my labor, he'll bless my learning, he'll bless my emotions, he'll bless my social life, he'll bless my spiritual life. Every day I put up these affirmations, and this is what Paul says, when you do that, expect this to happen. Number one, he says, be filled with the Spirit. He says, be filled with the Spirit. He says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The Holy Spirit is our reminder. Remember that Jesus said, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, we're going to talk about this, I think it's next week. Um, about we're going to have a whole Wednesday night talking about being filled with the Spirit and praying in the Spirit. Um, Spirit-filled prayer, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big advocate of tongues. I believe that that is a gift for every child of God. Spirit-filled prayer can occur in our native tongue as well. Um, Jude 20 says, You, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, be praying in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 says, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Uh, Romans 8 says, likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit or what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The conclusion then is that when I pray in the Spirit, I can pray in tongues, which is the language of heaven, or I can pray in my native language and the Spirit direct me 
We talked a little bit about that last week, but he says, we're going to be filled with the spirit. We're going to be prayerful. And then he says, be alert. That means to be intent upon a thing. So my, my prayer leading me to the spiritual armor begins first thing in the morning with putting up affirmations where I align myself with the Lord. I ask him to deliver me from evil. I ask him to help me deal with temptation. Uh, so I put up affirmations. The second thing that I do is I put down the adversary. I used to teach this first. I used to say, well, the first thing you do is put down the adversary. I found out I'm not strong enough to put down the adversary without first glorifying the Lord. I mean, the Lord doesn't need it, but I need it. So I put down the adversary. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. And they go, what does it mean to put down the adversary? Well, when you understand what the adversary brings, you resist it. When you understand what the adversary wants you to traffic in, you say no. Let me tell you what Satan causes. First of all, if you find yourself beginning to cave into a calloused heart, it's, it's trafficking in darkness. Jesus said, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. And them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Loved ones, uh, I know we, you can get into arguments about the sovereignty of God and what it means to be chosen and so forth and so on. But the bottom line is this. If your heart is callous, that does not come from the Lord. It comes from the enemy. And I reject thoroughly and categorically without going into explanation. I reject a theology that says you will understand because God wants you to understand. And you will not understand because God doesn't want you to understand. You might can draw that as the bottom line, but we, we, I do not believe in a theology that says some are predestined for heaven and some are predestined to hell in the sense that God just arbitrarily makes a decision. You say, well, the Bible says we're predestined. Yes, we're predestined to heaven if we choose Jesus. We're predestined to hell if we reject Jesus. And that's not an oversimplification. I, I graduated, you know, I got my doctorate from a, a, a seminary that taught that. I'm not speaking from ignorance when I say this. Loved ones, everything rises and falls upon us receiving. Now, I know we can't understand anything without the help of the Lord, but God responds to our response. We'll talk about that one night when you're, it's not summer. But Satan causes calloused hearts. He also causes careless attitudes. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. 
That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Ignorance and indifference. Ignorance and indifference. Somebody did an interview on the street and said, what do you think about all the um, ignorance and indifference in the world? And the person's answer was, I don't know and I don't care. <laughs> Careless attitudes, that comes from the enemy, not from the Lord. I'll tell you something else that comes from the enemy, corrupted behavior. Now, if your heart is being calloused, if your attitude is becoming careless, and if your behavior is, coming, is becoming corrupted, I want to tell you, you don't have to think hard to figure out what's the source behind that. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abuse, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And you think, boy, yeah, I know them. They, they're down the street there in the bars on Sunday instead of in church. But listen to the culminating statement about these people. They have a form of godliness but deny its power. See, it's not just the guttermost that have these issues. Sometimes it's the uppermost. And he says, have nothing to do with them. How we live makes a difference. And I'm so thankful for the teaching about the grace of God. I'm thankful that so many churches are rediscovering the grace and mercy of God. But if they have discovered a grace and mercy without responsibility and, and consequences, they've not discovered a true grace. Number four, what the enemy produces is confused minds. Confused minds. They are the kind who worm their way into homes, gain control over weak-willed women. And guys, we don't want to get into that today. Forgive me, I know that's not politically correct. Let's just say for tonight's purposes, they gain control over weak-willed who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. I tell you one thing that the internet has done, it has given us access to incredible, almost immeasurable knowledge. But at the same time, there is so much confusion. Um, I, I, I am a thousand percent behind um, our uh, school of leadership. I believe in it totally. But I want to tell you, there have been some years where the first thing we had to deal with was the arrogance, not, not the last few years, praise God, but the arrogance that associated some people because they get their theology from the History Channel. And they get their doctrine from the latest flash in the, in the, in the night uh, on the internet. And Anything that sounds different, anything that sounds new, anything that sounds controversial is now the latest rage. And very few people know anything about sound doctrine. And what it results in is confusion. Well, let's go on. He said that we are to put up our affirmations. We are to 
put down the adversary. Now, uh, guys, I want to tell you, you can do that in five or ten minutes, or you can do that in a half hour or an hour. There are going to be days you pray a long time about some of this. There are going to be days you just make a declaration about some of it. you got to be led by the Spirit. And at some point, you put on the armor. Every morning, I go through the pieces of the armor. I don't, I don't do like some people do. I don't pretend to be putting on armor. I don't preach a sermon about every piece of the armor. But I go through, he says, so put on the armor that God gives then when the evil day comes, you will be able to defend yourself. When the battle is over, you will still be standing firm. That's good, isn't it? Be ready. Let the truth be like a belt around your waist. And let God's justice protect you like armor. Your desire to tell the good news about peace should be like shoes on your feet. Let your faith be like a shield and you will be able to stop all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let God's saving power be like a helmet and for a sword use God's message uh, that comes from the Spirit. Never stop praying, especially for others. Always pray by the power of the Spirit. Stay alert and keep praying for God's people. I love that. However you want to do it, if you want to do it in 60 seconds or if you want to do it in six minutes or if you, there are some days you just may feel led to pray um, in some detail. But every day I say, Lord, help my mind be governed by the hope of salvation. Help me to remember that I'm not what I ought to be, but I'm not what I used to be either. I am in process and I'm becoming more like God and I have been delivered from the penalty of sin in the past and the day is coming I'm going to be delivered from the possibility of sin altogether and right now I'm being delivered from the power of sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, Paul said. Every day in some way, in some fashion, I thank the Lord for the armor, the breastplate, of righteousness. It's like we talked about yesterday, just like that armor was hinged and was, was two parts for the front and the back. Righteousness is my standing. I stand before God. I stand before hell. I stand before you. I stand before myself in the mirror. I stand with the righteousness of God in Christ. I am worthy for heaven, not because of me, but because I wear his righteousness. But then he also gives me the ability to live righteously. I need to remember there's a belt that is true. And every single piece of the armor, everything, the, 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 uh, the shield, the sword, the, 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 uh, the breastplate of armor, well, I say everything, not the helmet, but everything except that, even the shoes, connect in some way to the belt. And when, that's for fighting, and when it's time to move out quickly, the belt is able to move everything into its place and hold it so that I can run and get where I need to get to. So I thank God for um, the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth. I thank Him for the shoes that help me stand and help me move. And that's peace. That's peace. So I've got hope. I've got righteousness. I've got truth. I've got peace. I have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the shield of faith, which will put um, all of the fiery darts of the enemy uh, at bay. And I have the attitude of prayer. That's what I put on. Okay? 
So every morning, if you, want, if you are serious about the armor of God, you begin by putting up the affirmations. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I belong to him. No weapon formed against me. It's not just a pep talk. It is a reminder of the reality in which we live. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I wake up with a sense of dread. Sometimes I, I, I wake up disturbed through the night by burdens that I carried or something that I dreamed. I need to clear the atmosphere. And then I need to tell the enemy that we have not got any more negotiating to do. What I decided yesterday is still good today. I'm not interested in any deal he has to make. So I put on the armor of God. And here's the last thing. I put out the alerts. I put out the alerts. And um, we... we um, we, we get this from the phrase of, of uh, there at the last verse, stay alert, stay alert, and keep praying for God's people. The New Testament teaches us to be on the alert for two things. Um, now, you can stretch some other things, but basically, using this analogy, we are told to watch for two things. Number one, we are to be on alert for the return of the enemy. Now, we, we don't become Satan-focused. We don't become... I mean, there are some people that just can't enjoy life because they, they, th they think it's a sin to smile. They think it's a, a sin to laugh. You know, and, and they, to hear them talk, the devil... I mean, the Lord is more powerful than the devil, but just barely. Just barely. So he needs us to tip the scales. No, 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 no. I mean, and you say, oh, that's silly. Nobody believes that. No, we don't believe that, but we live like that sometimes. But we do have to be aware that the enemy is always going to try to become, come in and defile our thoughts or defile our motives or get involved someplace that um, we don't want him to be involved. So we're, we're to be alert for the enemy, not obsessed with him, but be alert for the enemy but then the joyful thing is we are, are, while we do all of this warring, we are to look for the return of the Lord. Keep looking for the return of the Lord. Now, we're going to stop here tonight. And next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll, we'll pick it up with what it means to be led by the Spirit. And I hope this has helped you tonight. I want to pray for you. Um, I, I want to, um, and I hope I didn't come across negative at the beginning of this, or it seemed like I was trying to indict you, but I, I just think sometimes we need to be shaken a little bit, and we need to understand that if we want the armor of God, that's great, but we need to be willing to pay the price to wear it, and we need to be sure that we are trained in how to use it. And, and anybody that watched Marshall Dillon growing up, what, what did Marshall Dillon always tell the guys that came in Dodge City wearing a gun? He said, you better know how to use a gun if you're going to wear one because that'll, that'll make you a target. And that's not only true in Dodge City. It's true here in Chitty City. It's true everywhere. Um, we, 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 we have a tendency to want to clothe ourselves with all that God has without walking in integrity. And so this is a call for us to, okay, tighten our belt, square our shoulders, and walk.
the way the Lord called us to walk. Father, I thank you for the privilege of us praying together tonight. And I want to thank you in advance and say amen in advance for Justin coming to lead us in prayer. Father, we are, we are praying, as we've already prayed for our kids at camp, we're praying for VBS coming up. We're praying for our service Sunday. Lord, um, the, the, the message, I, I want folks here to know, we're going to talk about what to do when you don't feel thankful. How to handle life when you don't feel thankful. And Lord, I pray that you would turn us into a thankful people. That passage we read tonight put two characteristics side by side, separated only by a comma, unthankful and unholy. Lord, I think it would frighten us to understand how close being unthankful is to being unholy. So I pray that you would prepare our hearts for Sunday. I pray that lives would be changed and folks brought into the kingdom of God. And Lord, maybe tonight, um, either someone here or those that will watch this when it's available online, they will say, I, I really need to make my peace with God. I need to give my life fully and completely surrendered to Jesus. I need to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Father, help them to come forward tonight to one of the pastors and just say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Father, if they're watching online, help them to call in to the church or visit us on the web and just say, I want Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Nothing would make us happier than to pray with someone that doesn't know you in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, Lord, help us now. We've, we've learned about these general themes. We have an adversary. We have an armory that we draw from. We have an atmosphere that we expect conflict, and there are attacks that we need to manage, offensive and defensive. And Father, tonight, I just want to say it one more time, help us to begin tomorrow by putting up the affirmation, by putting down the enemy, by putting on the armor, and by putting out those alerts, Father. We ask you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.